Buonasera a tutti, good evening and welcome to the Italian Radio Hour. Io sono Viviana and I would like to welcome back our regular listeners and also welcome any new listeners. Also be sure to like us on Instagram and Facebook at the Italian Radio Hour and subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch up on any past video interviews. Vorrei dare il benvenuto ai nostri ascoltatori da tutto il mondo, grazie per essere con noi anche oggi mentre continuiamo il nostro viaggio per l'Italia e la cultura italiana. Well, I'm very delighted to actually have Francine Sigan back to uh, join us today on to the program. She and I finally met in person this past weekend and the National Italian American Foundation Gala. And uh, for us who are indeed interviewing people, we always feel that we are their best friends. And she was very gracious, not only uh, we were able to take a picture together, but also to uh, schedule this additional conversation together because Francine is a wealth of information about as a food historian, a, a established uh, cookbook author, and she gives talks and presentations. Um, uh, she is indeed the person you want to go to to ask what's the latest and the greatest in the Italian food uh, business. Ma prima, pubblicità. Parli italiano? Do you want to learn, improve, or master your Italian? Istituto Mondo Italiano can help. Located in the heart of Regent Square, Mondo Italiano offers small group classes and one-on-one -on -one private tutoring to help you learn Italian in no time. Visit us online at www.istitutomondoitaliano.org. Francine, welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's always, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure and an honor to um, follow what uh, you have been uh, uh, writing about, uh, talking about. Uh, and uh, when we saw each other the other weekend, I told you that you were indeed just in my dreams, literally, because uh, we have the uh, Barbara Seville uh, currently going on in uh, here in Pittsburgh with the Pittsburgh Opera. And uh, I love your uh, opera lovers uh, cookbook. And there were a couple of recipes uh, uh, for figure that um, I will be presenting in my little videos on Fridays. So Francine, where do we start? Where do we start? Um, I think I would be always curious, uh, it's always curious uh, for our audience to find out a little more about our guests. And specifically, how did you get into writing about food and again, becoming the, the expert with a capital E? <laughs> it all started actually with my first book, Shakespeare's Kitchen, about the Elizabethan period in the Renaissance. I was a child psychologist before this, and my son came home from school one day. He was studying Shakespeare in fourth grade, and he said, Mommy, they, why, what, what can we do to make this more fun? And, um, and he knew I, I love to make dinner fun. And so he said, what did Shakespeare eat? And I thought that was such a great question. And so I went to the library, and there was a cookbook that was published in England during his lifetime, several cookbooks. So I came home and tried some recipes and my daughter helped. Um, we turned out the lights and ate by candle and it was really fun. And my son told the teacher that they did something in the class, word spread and then um, Random House asked me to do a book about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a wonderful good fortune to start with my first book. And then after I did several books on historic topics, I really wanted to do something on Italy. And then my editor said, I, there are 300 books a year on Italian food, too many. Um, there's nothing new. And I said, 
That's not true. There's so much old that you don't know. So it's new to you. And so I invited her to dinner and I made some dishes that uh, I told her if she did not, if she knew any of them, I would stop bothering her. And out of the 12 things I made from appetizers to dessert, she knew none because Italy has such a rich history of so many regions, so many provinces. Um, and so I, she let me do my first book, uh, Dolce, Italy's mm -hmm. Sweets. And then right after that, because that was a big hit, uh, she had me do a book on my favorite food group, mm -hmm. pasta, mm -hmm. uh, for my book, Pasta Modern, which okay. is mm -hmm. about the last 25 years of recipes in Italy from chefs and nonnas and food bloggers, but also some recipes that we don't know in mm -hmm. America. Yeah. And also, it's very interesting because, I mean, obviously, you travel to Italy, have traveled to Italy extensively. And uh, so you are very fortunate to be exposed to the variety of uh, uh, regional foods. Um, and it's almost like an oxymoron to talk about Italian food uh, because uh, the regional differences between one region to another, sometimes from one little town to another, from one family to another. So it's, you know, the umbrella is very, very open, but there are so many different uh, nuances and uh, and also capturing what has happened and what is happening now. I think it just gives a, a, a nice continuous experience of how food um, evolves. Uh, some of the dishes there might be considered the capostipiti, the staples and how uh, today's chefs have um, elevated those dishes. Um, so I don't particularly care for the expression cucina povera uh, because no one wants to think that back in the day they were poor people. Maybe they didn't have a lot. Um, I, I like to, uh, maybe I'm gonna start a, a new movement. I would like to call it cucina di altri tempi, the cooking of the past, of the other times to kind of, uh, um, you know, bring the dignity that those dishes really, really, really deserve. Uh, let me see. Um, you are have, uh, you know, the, the gala, but also in uh, previous conversations this year, uh, Emilia Romagna um, has been one of the regions that got a lot of uh, uh, highlights and, and press. You also are a big, uh, um, you have a wonderful um, talk about slow food and, and fast, uh, fast, uh, fast cars. <laughs> yeah, I love Emilia Romagna, which was the region that was honored uh, by the uh, National Italian American Foundation, the gala mm -hmm. that we went to, that was the region of honor for this year. And it's just a region that I don't think uh, is as known as it should be because it has so many treasures and mm -hmm. so much good food. It has more of the DOP and IGP products than any mm -hmm. other region. Um, and so it's a, it's a wonderful place to visit and to eat in. Uh -huh. And the next, uh, next year is going to be Friuli Venezia Giulia again. Um, a recent uh, a region that I uh, thoroughly visited and enjoyed this past summer. So uh, a lot of things to um, talk about about that region. But um, this is going to be a sweet conversation, isn't it going to be, uh, Francine? <laughs> talk about a topic that I find fascinating, and that is Italy's chocolate history. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting, and I hope I share some things that perhaps your listeners haven't heard about Ab before. Absolutely, absolutely. So where would you like to get started? 
Well, let's start at the beginning. Chocolate is originally only from the America, Central and South America. It wasn't anywhere else. Cleopatra had fabulous dinner parties. She never served chocolate. The Buddha got chubby on something else. No chocolate in ancient <laughs> Asia, ancient China. Um, Renaissance children could have been as angelic as you can want. No chocolate until Columbus. Mm -hmm on his fourth trip to the Americas, discovered chocolate. Mm -hmm. uh, he encountered it. He brought back sacks of it to Queen Isabella. And so that was the first documentation of cacao beans going into Europe. Mm -hmm. And from there, from uh, Spain, it went immediately into Italy, mm -hmm. where they created so many things. The um, Italians looked at the cocoa beans and they said, wait a minute, they're bean. They're not, they're not a bean. They're um, a seed like fennel, cumin, coriander. And so they knew the way that the Spaniards were making a drink. But instead, they said, OK, the drink is wonderful. But what about if we don't grind it to a pulp? What about if we just grind it the way we grind pepper and we use it in cooking? And so they started to create many, many sweet dishes, like they, the Italians invented chocolate sorbet. But this is what blows your mind. They were the first to cook savory dishes with chocolate, mm -hmm. not the Mexicans with mole. That was much later after the Spaniards came back to conquer that territory. It was the Italians mm -hmm played with this wonderful ingredient and realized it's not sweet until you add sugar. If you've ever tasted nibs, you know that chocolate mm -hmm. is not sweet. Yeah, I wanted just to share a picture. I was actually in Costa Rica, in Costa Rica uh, last year and I went to a cocoa plantation and I had never seen a cocoa bean. So for those of, uh, of you who will be viewing the uh, interview, this is what it looks like. And it's the most delicious, it looks like garlic, but it has nothing to do. It's the most delicious pulp that you can you can ever uh, taste. And then you kind of suck in, so to speak, the pulp and then and discard the, uh, uh, the seeds, which, you know, then there is a fermentation and everything. But I was I was really uh, surprised to see what a, a cocoa bean uh, look like. So sorry for the interruption, but um, um, I just wanted to... <laughs> Oh, that's very important because it, it looks like corn on steroids when you first look at it. Mm -hmm. And that wonderful whiteness is the fruit of the cocoa pod. And it's the pits, the seeds, the cocoa bean that they discovered thousands of years ago, the ancient Aztecs and Mayans. They must have been eating the fruit, maybe sitting near a fire, spit it out the seed, and then they maybe smelled it in the fire, toasting a little bit. And they said, wait a minute, that smells amazing. <laughs> They picked it up from the fire, started chewing it and realized, oh, this is delicious. And just like when we chew in our mouth, um, they ground things. And they said, wait, we can grind this like we grind dried corn and make a pulp and that they used for a drink that was a sacred drink for them. Mm -hmm. So but if you ever get a chance to go to a cacao plantation, it's a must because you can't have that fruit anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. Indeed, I uh, I agree. So tell us about the evolution. It's almost like a, a story where I'm a child. I want to hear more. Tell me more. <laughs> so when the 
cocoa, uh, the cocoa beans went to Italy. The Italians invented the sorbet. But then because they realized that it's not sweet, they started to use it in cooking and savory things. And so there's a dish, um, tagliatelli al cacao, mm -hmm. that's from the north, which where they uh, make the, the pasta flour with cocoa powder. And then they'll serve it with gorgonzola and then top it with toasted walnuts. In Tuscany, they make a chocolate pasta that they serve with a ragu di cinghiale, a wild... Mm -hmm tomato ragu and my favorite in sicily there's a sauce from the enna province called schiabo which is very popular at christmas time it's a tomato pork ragu with lots of dark chocolate mm -hmm. the dark chocolate just like that fruit in the cacao has so much flavor chocolate good chocolate has so much flavor so it really adds lots of levels of taste <laughs> the dish uh, and the um, Italians also um, oh, it's beautiful exactly um, and it's so easy to do if in fact you don't want to make your own fresh pasta and you just use dried pasta you can use dried pasta put it into the water and put a little bit of cacao the oh, cook very right mm -hmm. in the water and the dried pasta as it cooks will absorb that mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and receive that wonderful, wonderful flavor. So they also, besides foods, what was interesting is just at about the time that chocolate was coming into Italy and becoming more and more popular, into Italy came coffee. And mm -hmm. coffee, what, Italy was the first country to um, receive coffee from the Arab world. And so they thought, wait a minute, we like this chocolate drink, but we like coffee too, let's combine them. And so clever Italians created many, many chocolate drinks. All of us probably have had um, cappuccino with a little bit of co uh, co cocoa powder on top. Mm -hmm. did so many other things. They made something called bicherine, which means little cups. And that's a drink that was created in Piedmont in Torino. And bicherine is a layer of dense, hot, sweetened hot chocolate, a shot of espresso, and then topped with cool foam. And the way that you're supposed to drink it is not to stir it in the cup, but to drink it and it combines in your mouth. Mm -hmm. And it's served still today in a cafe, a cold cafe, Bicherin, right in Piedmont, which was a place where ladies of the 1700s, the wealthy, would congregate mm -hmm. because it was um, a place that only hired women. In those days, a woman really wouldn't go out socially without an escort or a chaperone. And so this Cafe Bicherin only hired women. And so that was a safe haven for women to gather. Uh, and still today there in Torino, in Cafe Bicherin, they'll serve it by candlelight. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just a, a wonderful spot to put on your must visit. Uh, Torino is a beautiful city. And to have a, um, a bicherine in Cafe Al Bicherine mm -hmm. is absolutely... Uh, I totally agree. Bicherine cures everything. 
<laughs> whether you have walked, uh, you know, 15,000 steps or you just want to admire the beautiful churches there. Uh, it is indeed a specialty um, that uh, not only tourists, but locals alike enjoy very much. And as you um, rightfully said, do not stir it. And uh, most likely, once you're going to drink it because of the panna is on top, you might have a little bit of panna on your nose. That's part of the fun. <laughs> well, it's not as thick as a panna. It's um, a cool froth, so it's even lighter. It's just mm -hmm. very, it's like a milk. It's wonderful. But of course, there's um, maracchino, which um, comes from the color of the the hat uh, that was made in Alessandria in another another province of um, of Piemonte and Piem uh, Piemonte Piedmont was very has all of these inventions because that was the center of chocolate making back in the late 1600s 1700s it was the center um, it is where for example a fabulous flavor, the combination of hazelnut and chocolate was created. And that was created because of Napoleon. The mm -hmm. Napoleonic Wars kept the chocolate from coming into Italy, to Piedmont. And in Piemonte, they have wonderful hazelnuts. So they combined the ground, ground hazelnut butter with the cacao so they could create a new flavor, janduya. And then they tested it at carnival time. They wrapped it up in gold paper. They made little, little tiny canoe, upside down canoe shaped uh, candies, and then gave it away at carnival time uh, in the 1800s to see if people liked it before they introduced it and started to charge money for it and it was interesting because that's the first candy that was covered in gold covered in anything they used to sell it like jewelry in a jewelry store you would just point to a candy and it would be put in a box but this was the first time it was wrapped and then it gave a big tradition of wrapping fine chocolate in gold a gold paper and so Gianduiotti is a wonderful invention because of necessity but then that sparked a love of the flavor of hazelnut and chocolate. And so other companies like Perugina, which is located in Perugia, uh, or uh, Ferrero Rocher in uh, Piemonte, these are all candies. And, and the bachi that were created is a whole hazelnut in hazelnut ganache and then covered with dark chocolate and there's even a little love message inside a little poem or a little message um, which comes from uh, the inventor which was Maria Luisa who um, Maria Luigi who was um, the wife of one of the partners of the original Perugina and uh, according to legend, uh, she was having a little bit of a relationship with one of the other partners, and she would slip notes to him in the candy. Um, because the candy was so good, they all forgave her. And uh, <laughs> in the tradition uh, of wonderful messages inside each. And then um, actually, um, if I remember correctly, because if we look at the shape of the Baci Perugina, 
when she first uh, came up with the design because Maria Luisa Spagnoli, she's also, uh, you know, a famous designer, just seeing all the waste of uh, the uh, hazelnut uh, ganache instead of just using the um, the prettiest and the biggest. She called it cazzotto because she it means uh, a punch because it reminded of the knuckle and here, but would you ever buy a piece of chocolate? It's called a punch. So, you know, this love affair, I guess, sweetened the, the, the marketing campaign as well. <laughs> It's, it's just more uh, palatable uh, to, um, you know, to eat a piece of chocolate. It's called a kiss, right? <laughs> I mean, the punch of the knuckle, I guess, is the way. But also, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it's the first thing that as soon as, uh, you know, um, we uh, we get the bachi before even it's kind of, I think, uh, simultaneous. You put the chocolate in your mouth and you start you really uh, enjoying it and then read the 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 love poem and, the, and and you save the ones that you know uh, somehow speak to you or the quotes you like the most so i have a whole collection that uh and needless to say i think this uh <laughs> won't last too long but um they're right here sorry for the interruption let's uh, <laughs> no, but, uh and speaking of um uh, bachi and perugina in perugina is in perugia in yes. Umbria, and they have Europe's largest chocolate festival, mm -hmm. uh, Euro chocolate. And that's something else to look for in the fall. If you're traveling uh, to, in the center of Italy, it is worth going. They turn the streets in there. They're flowing with chocolate. There are different stands to taste chocolate from around Europe. They do chocolate sculptures, chocolate carving. They have chocolate cooking shows. Uh, so it's really a wonderful Euro chocolate is a wonderful um, excuse to um, to make an extra visit to Italy. And of course, um, Perugia is a wonderful city. And while you're there, you can visit the the uh, the Bacci factory, the Perugina factory, which mm -hmm. is a fabulous museum and, mm -hmm. and walk through and see how they make it. And then there's a tasting at the end. Uh, actually, the Euro chocolate uh, is going on as we speak. So uh, maybe by the time we air this uh, interview in a couple of days, uh, we will have already the ability to see some of the pictures of this uh, this year's uh, uh, edition. And uh, so, Bachi, I remember when I was in in Rome, um, there was also an exhibit. Um, at the Capitol Museums of all the marketing, all the covers, all the posters and so forth. It's always been something that brings everyone back to their um, their childhood. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. Um, and Dolce Gabbana did the, a designer's uh, version, uh, I think it was last year or two years ago, um, that reflected a little bit of the Sicilian flavors. So, so I had, uh, I believe, a little bit of citrus, white chocolate, a little bit of uh, uh, citrus. So it's it's interesting to see also the partnership between uh, these companies and designers wanted to um, uh, design the, the, the bags that, and the chocolates themselves. Speaking of Sicily, um... Back when uh, Piedmont was so important for chocolate, Sicily and Naples were very important also. Um, partly because in those days, way before Spain was the first country that got chocolate, and uh, they had um, had they were the 
over, they were, they had colonized, they ruled over um, Naples area and into Sicily. And there are some very interesting chocolates in Sicily. Sicily, um, like the city of Modica, very important center of um, chocolate making. And in Modica, just like the ancient Aztecs and, and Mayans stone ground and terracotta ground the cocoa beans, they still, um, in Sicily, uh, like for companies like Bonaiuto in Modica, they still stone grind the chocolate. So there's like an interesting, like a, the, the difference between white bread and whole wheat bread, still a little mm -hmm. interesting, wonderful texture to it. And they have some weird but wonderful things that they have done with chocolate since it was introduced down there. There in Sicily, there is a, a little tart like an empanada, uh -huh. the time of Spain, and it's called Mampitaggi. And it is a chocolate and meat pie. It's sweet. So it's a dessert. It's a sweet and it was created during the time of the pilgrimages, the religious pilgrimages to fortify the pilgrims traveling to give them the energy of the chocolate and the meat. And nowadays it's still served as a dessert and it is fantastic. In fact, if you weren't told what it is, you just think it's a, a fudgy middle because the very finely ground meat just adds a richness to the dark chocolate. And then the other bizarre, weird, but wonderful um, dish, this is uh, this is a mampitaji, delicious. Mm -hmm. If you're traveling in Sicily, um, or there's a recipe if you want to make it yourself in my dolce Italy sweet mm -hmm. spot. But if you're traveling in Sicily, you'll definitely want to try it there. Um, and then in Naples, there's a weird but wonderful sweet that is a must to have on Ferragosto, August fifteenth, mm -hmm. and it is a dessert. It's chocolate eggplant, and it is eggplant either slices that are fried or poached. Some people poach it in limoncello, some broil it, layered like lasagna. With Instead of the sauce, they put a fudge sauce, then the eggplant, and then sweetened ricotta instead of the ricotta for lasagna, candied fruit, more layers of the eggplant, and then covered in this wonderful chocolate sauce. And it's eaten cold. Um, it is fantastic. Um, very, very, very delicious. Very unusual. And uh, Melanzana al Chocolato is a classic of the Amalfi Coast of Naples. Mm -hmm. And it's very funny. I put it into my book. I have a chapter called Weird But Wonderful. Desserts are <laughs> just so strange, but I had to put them in. Uh, and I did a TV show. And I'll never forget, the producer said, listen, Francine, we tried a few dishes. We love them. And we're going to have you. We want you to prepare this, this, and this. But then at the end, to tease you a little bit, we're going to... Uh, say how terrible the chocolate eggplant is because it sounds crazy and I said mm -hmm. okay but I'll bring a little bit I'll make some and I'll bring it just so you can see it on air he, she said okay but be prepared we're going to tease you about it and so I talked about all the wonderful things in the book um, and then we get to the chocolate eggplant and I give the host takes a little bite and he I can see on the cards he's supposed to say this is so crazy Italy has wonderful things occasionally they lose their mind but he mm -hmm. takes a bite and he says, wait a minute, 
this is delicious. And <laughs> he was so shocked um, because it really is a, just a wonderful combination of, um, again, the savory and sweet and the knowledge that Italy has about ingredients. Eggplant is such a nice neutral flavor that it absorbs and complements. Um, and so it's it's kind of a nice balance between the sweetness of the chocolate fudge and then uh, the yeah. earthiness. You have a beautiful picture in, uh, in the book. So absolutely, it's definitely something, something that I would like to uh, do it again. Um, and uh, because again, uh, it is nice also to educate people. Uh, and also when you go to Italy, um, sometimes what I notice when I'm at the restaurant, because I, I'm always speaking uh, on what other people are eating, and I feel a little sorry when I see people eating lasagna when they're supposed in a territory where lasagna is not really the specialty, because sometimes the names are uh, tricky, you know, if you don't speak the language or if there is no translation, because then if you go to the ones that have the menu in English, then you think they're tourists and so forth. Um, so, uh, but that's uh, that's the beauty of traveling, going to uh, the towns and maybe let the weight stuff um, to tell you you should try this because it's a specialty and uh so the chocolate eggplant might make your nose uh you know go up a little bit until you try and i'm like please more <laughs> um, it's the same thing in Emilia. we talked we were talking about emilia romagna emilia romagna has a dessert made a chocolate dessert made with pasta the tagliatelle the <laughs> torta ricciolina Mm -hmm. curly it's called curly uh pasta they take uh either in a pie in a in a crust or not they take the fresh egg pasta don't mm -hmm. boil it they toss it with ground almonds sugar and cocoa powder and then bake it and the baking cooks the pasta but then leaves the outer edges crispy so torta ricciolina is a must try when you're traveling in Emilia Romagna. Torcolina. Mm. Um yep, it, it is <laughs> so delicious. Um with the crust or without the crust. Just that idea of pasta for dessert. And in fact, um pasta for dessert is something that is very common. Like you showed some of the chocolate ravioli, which are very popular carnival um treat. Mm -hmm. So there's so many great uh, reasons to travel through Italy with an open mind and try other things. So I agree with you. The other thing is to um, travel at different seasons because chocolate is something most people travel to Italy, I think in the summertime, and that's not the best time for chocolate. Chocolate is um, fall, winter, spring. Um, in fact, the chocolate companies don't even produce, uh, most of them don't produce in the summertime. And I love Easter in <laughs> for the chocolate um, in america we have the the chocolate bunny but in italy we have the chocolate egg and sometimes they can be so big they can be five feet tall and a town will put it in the square and have a special celebration where everybody takes a piece and the thing that i find very interesting is that in italy the chocolate egg can come with a gift inside. You can buy one for a man, for an adult man, adult woman. Uh, it can have jewelry, designer sunglasses, t-shirts, a cell phone, or 
you can go to your lo local chocolate tier and with a special gift that you want him or her to put into the egg and then they'll put a uh, make a specific egg for you. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, I, I inter interviewed a lot of uh, chocolatiers throughout Italy about this tradition of people bringing something to put into the egg. And um, uh, one, uh, several, several people said that they often are given an engagement ring to put mm -hmm. into the egg. Uh, and so the uh, it, Easter might be a, a, a time that's often associated with getting, uh, getting married. So mm -hmm. I do love the Easter egg tradition in Italy. So do you, uh, so, and obviously, you know, um, do you, um, have you ever, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have visited these companies, uh, maybe you have collaborated with some of them. Can you tell us what, uh, what other uh, novelties should we expect from the chocolate factory? Because uh, I'm assuming as any other product, there are evolutions, there is research, there is attempts to come up with a new product. What can you tell us? What should we expect? Well, one of the things that um, is very interesting is that Italy invented a few years ago something called latte nero, mm -hmm. white dark, milk dark. Dark chocolate is just dark, is just the chocolate and sugar. Milk chocolate is usually one third milk, one third sugar, one third chocolate. And that's the way it has been forever until an Italian, uh, Slitti, uh, mm -hmm. said, wait a minute, what about if we don't do one third, one third, one third? What about if we give you more chocolate? And so they gave a higher percentage of chocolate let's say 50% instead of a third, and then 25 sugar, 25 milk, or 70% dark, and then 15 milk, 15 uh, chocolate. So that was 15 milk, 15 sugar. So that was, latte nero was a very important, and now everybody is copying this Italian invention. Now, just recently, the Venki company, a company mm -hmm. in Piemonte, Slitti is in Tuscany, in Piemonte, a very old, from the uh, 1800s, uh, chocolatier, uh, has created a chocolate that is 70% less sugar. Mm -hmm. Like, tastes absolutely fantastic you cannot tell because they worked for years on a sugar substitute that's totally natural they created uh, uh taking the root of a plant they created this sugar substitute that is just as sweet but does not have that sucrose um, not as many calories, not the sucrose. And unlike some, some of the sugars that are made from fruit, which is all sh really sugar, this is uh, gentle on the tummy, but yet so delicious. And so I love um, uh, one, of, one of my favorite companies, uh, although I, I've worked with and, and adore so many, there's so many special companies, Perugia, Amadei, Sliti, um, but Venki is... Uh, the, the person in charge of flavors is a particular connoisseur and has a wonderful palate. So we love seeing what they what they come up with for flavors. And I think Venkia has a little treat also for our listeners. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for reminding me. I'm giving many, many uh, talks in the next couple of months on Italy mm -hmm. and chocolate 
uh, is always weaves its way in. In fact, at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., in February, I'm going to be talking about chocolate history, um, and the audience will get a sampling of what Venki's wonderful chocolates. And so Venki has given your listeners a specially a special family and friends gift. It's 15% off their online order at Venki. And all you put in the code is Venki, mm-hmm. V-E-N-C-H-I, for the number four, Francine. A-N-C-I-N-E. Ah. So it's a special Venki for Francine, which they gave to the people um, for that are coming to some talks that I'm doing in December. I'm doing a talk on desserts of Christmas but then when I told them I was doing this radio show they said oh yes please share it maybe we have to uh so I told you that this was going to be a sweet episode and now you just made the experience even sweeter and maybe we'll uh uh, if you are not too busy I might ask you to come back so that we can chit chat about uh, the holiday traditions that is again probably another tour across uh, different regions of Italy to uh, reflect some of the uh, traditions that maybe not everyone is familiar with because we kind of are familiar with where our families are from, maybe if we married into another region, (laughs) Um, but uh, there are many, many more. Um, Anything else that you would like to share before we go into into the closing? I know, again, that you're a very, very busy lady and I don't want to overextend my welcome. It's always a delight chatting with you, and I am so, so happy to always talk about Italy. I just think it's a country that is endlessly fascinating. The 20 regions is only the start. The hundreds of provinces, as you mentioned earlier, have so many treasures, mm-hmm. and chocolate is just one of the wonderful ways that we can see Italy's amazing talent and creativity. Um, and so there's a lot to visit and a lot to taste. And I've shared a recipe that you'll be able to. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yes. So yes. you've been uh, very generous with uh, the torta uh, tinerina. Uh, tell us a little bit about where the recipe comes from. I'm going to try to pull it up so that it stays uh, in the recording. And then, you know, we will be able to share it uh, afterwards in, in, uh, in the comments. But uh, the torta tenerina, first, let's, uh, let's get a little more hungry by looking at the uh, picture. <clears throat> and beautiful picture. So the tenerina, tender, uh, I don't know, it's yeah. about referring to both of the inside. And... Uh, torta tenerina uh, is, was kind, is created in Emilia Romagna, uh, and it was created kind of by accident. Instead of flour, uh, the chef put in um, uh, potato starch, uh, but then found that it was fantastic. It um, stays very fudgy in the middle and the top gets a nice crinkly um, topping that almost uh, crunches. So it's it's really, really lovely. It's totally flourless. So if you have celiac, mm-hmm. you can absolutely make this. You can use the potato starch or cornstarch. And it's got only five ingredients. So this is a place where you should really use a good quality Italian uh, dark chocolate. The um, Italians, like all the countries in Europe, have to follow the EU rule that Mm -hmm. they 
not use anything but cocoa butter in the chocolate. It could only have 5% of something else. And so chocolate in Italy is particularly wonderful. Uh, unlike in America where we don't have that rule and sometimes there'll be other things in our chocolate beside chocolate. <laughs> Well, Francine, again, you have been uh, very gracious with your time, with your recipes, with your knowledge. And I look forward to connecting with you again, maybe uh, during the holidays again. But unfortunately, our time together today is up. Il Big Ben ha detto stop. It's time for us to say arrivederci e alla prossima. We want to thank you for tuning in into the program. If you have any questions or comments, or if you have any topics you would like us to address, please contact us at theitalianradiohour at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Remember, if you or any of your family and friends have missed a prior episode or would like to listen to this episode again, please visit our website at www.istitutomondoitaliano.org and you can click on the Italian Radio Hour. You can also subscribe to the Italian Radio Hour on YouTube or where you, uh, you catch your favorite podcast. I would like to profusely and sweetly thank uh, my guest for today, Francine Segan. And again, amazing, wonderful books. So you can eat the pictures. <laughs> Our sponsor Istituto Mondo Italiano and until next time alla prossima ciao ciao ciao